Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning from New York City. Alan Hahn, Bart Scott, Chris Kenny joining you here on a Friday. And let's turn this. Oh, yeah, by the way, I want to keep the calls going. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN as well. Be part of this conversation. Uh, a lot of things to get to this morning. And one of them that we've been discussing that we want to come back to involves the New York Jets. And so we'll get to the Mets ending in a few minutes because that's something we've got to discuss as oh, well. Yeah. The way oh, yeah. Mets we got to talk about that. Yesterday <laughs> yeah. was something I don't think – we haven't seen in baseball in, in a very, very long yeah, time. Yeah, I got, a, I got a big issue with that. Yeah. yeah big even issue. the umpire had an issue with his own call. So yeah. Don't, again, be, don't we'll, be. We'll hey, discuss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you look at you with your pinky up. Yeah. But uh, but on the Jets Fraud front, Mets fan. There. Oh wow! But on the on the on the on the Jets front with the Zach Wilson story, there's something, Chris. I wanted to uh, bring your way. Bart and I had uh, Rex Ryan on our show earlier this week, and we were talking to him about the drafting. Now remember, Rex Ryan was coaching the Jets. They took right. They moved up in the draft. They took Mark Sanchez, mm-hmm. uh, number three, right? Yeah, number, five. Number, five. number five, number five, number five, yeah. Right. And Mark Sanchez started right away and was part of a team that got to consecutive AFC championship games. So Rex believes you can start, you can go with a young quarterback right away. You can do that. But he did point out something that he felt was a bit of a red flag about Zach Wilson. uh, And he mentioned it here. Take a listen. This guy's a freak athletically. And I mean, he's got the, the, all the tools from a physical standpoint to be, an elite quarterback in the NFL. Now, all the other things, the biggest question I have is the question that everybody would have would be, how the hell are you not a captain? Like, that's a concern. This isn't Jay Cutler, is it? And the same thing, Josh Rosen was supposed to be be good, but we knew that when talking to some of the coaches on that staff that he certainly wasn't the answer. I'm not getting that take from the people that I know around that BYU program. However, it's always a concern when you're starting quarterbacks, not a, not a captain. That, that's been something a lot of people have been asking uh, about this. And some people say that he eventually had to earn it, I guess, mm. that that the team had to vote. Yeah, they eventually made him a they, captain, They made right? him a captain yeah, eventually. He was on the leadership council going into the season, but he wasn't a captain. Right. Yeah. Why? Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know why that is. Only the guys in that locker room and the coaches on that staff would know or have an explanation. But I, I get where Bart is coming from and where Rex Ryan is coming from because quarterback position by nature by is a leadership position. And if you got a guy that has the kind of talent that Zach Wilson has, you would think that the rest of the locker room and his college teammates would look up to him. But it didn't feel like that was the case early on, you know, his first couple of years while he was at BYU. Now, you know, it changed this past year, but that's also a product of the production that we saw from Zach Wilson on the field. I'm not going to say that that's not a valid concern, but to me, that's a small piece of the evaluation because the fact is, Alan, you can be a captain in college and come in and be a terrible leader of men. I mean, I think you have to get the guy in the room. You have to have conversations with him and see whether or not he has those leadership qualities, see whether or not he's a good fit for your locker room. But the other part of this is, does the kid have the physical tools to be able to be a successful NFL quarterback? Because I played with some guys that you would say, you know what, this guy is the first one in the building, he's the last one out the door, he's got great work ethic, but he ain't got no damn talent. He can't play. (laughs) And that's a a problem, especially at the quarterback spot. So I guess that will be the thing that I'm most concerned with 
in the evaluation process, does the talent translate to potential NFL success? And with Zach Wilson, I think that's an emphatic yes. Now, now, now Rich Cimini did explain eventually about this because it has. This has become the thing that people are asking. Well, wait, in the start of the season. BYU put out the press release of their captains. He wasn't one of them. How yep. is that possible? Usually the quarterback is. That's a given. So there were eight captains. He wasn't one of them. He later became captain because one of the captains, uh, the tight end, Matt Bushman, got injured. He was out for the rest of the season oh, after week one. Default captain. So then he then stepped in and they added him as the captain. That's why the C is on his jersey uh, at that point in the season. So like, are we nitpicking at this point? I mean, I know me as a Jets fan – I th- I always feel like there's a catch, something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Like there's got to be something wrong here. It can't be that good that everybody's so you know high on this kid. What are the issues? What are the warts? I want to prepare for the worst. Like that's just how it always is when you're a Jets fan. So I'm feeling like is this it? That maybe he's not a great leader of men. That he's so- and by the way, you know, with young quarterbacks in the league, we've heard that Carson Wentz wasn't that the biggest thing about Carson Wentz? Yeah, all the talent in the world. But his, he didn't rally his teammates. He didn't own the huddle. And isn't that where things really fell apart for him? Not only with the fact that his line didn't protect him well, but there was a lot of whispers about him two seasons ago that he really wasn't a great leader, kind of kept to himself, and players didn't like that. Yeah, it also didn't help that your backup stepped in and won playoff games, got your team to the Super Bowl, true. and won Super Bowl Nick MVP. Foles, yeah. They put a statue outside of Lincoln Financial Forum. So that didn't help Carson yeah. Wentz's situation. But, yeah, there were the same questions about Wentz and whether or not he had those leadership qualities that yeah. you would want from a quarterback, especially a guy that you're going to pay top-of-the-market prices to. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you have to make sure as an organization you're doing your due diligence on. And if you're a fan of the Jets, knowing that Zach Wilson is probably going to be your guy, the hope that you would have is that Joe Douglas and, and Rob Sala would do their research and, and, and really find out how Zach Wilson's teammates felt about him, how that coaching staff yeah. felt about him, and then go from there. But they've got to, They've also got to look at the tape and make sure that yeah. from an X's and O's standpoint, this kid can do everything that you want him to do. To me, that's the big, biggest piece. Yeah, I mean, it's not a disqualifier, but you would like you know, your best player to be your best leader, right? And sometimes, it doesn't always work out like right, right, that, yeah. though, Bart. You yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah, everybody doesn't lead the same way, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I played with all types of leaders, right? I've I played with vocal leaders. I played with leaders that lead by example. But the fact that they didn't think that it warrant, however he decided to lead, didn't warrant a C on his chest means a lot to, to me because you have to be able to – listen, as a – being a, a quarterback is almost like being a politician and also being a head coach, right? You're always selling something because at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to get all the accolades. You're getting the biggest check. So you have to be able to inspire your teammates to go out and want to jump on a sword for you, right? Who's going to jump in front of the car for you and push you out the way? Like that's what the game is all about because it's about being able to – sacrifice, you know, offensive lineman playing hurt, things like that. Don't want to let him down. You know, they have to feel like they owe you something, but you have to do that by supporting them so much, by always putting them above you and putting them before you and showing your selflessness. And I don't know if he didn't do that. Is that the reason why they didn't want to buy into what he was selling? And I would have to do some research to see who, you know, who he really is as a person that is a leader because being a quarterback and being – 
you know, being the face of the franchise is one thing, but being able to be a great leader and be able to inspire is another. Yeah, well, your actions have got to support everything that's coming out of your mouth. Like, right. we know that, Bart, because, I mean, in an NFL locker room, you'll find out really quickly whether or not the guy's a fraud. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a fraud yeah. at the quarterback spot, good luck trying to have a future as a starter in the NFL. It ain't going to work, especially exactly. with guys trying to feed their families. But when it comes to Zach Wilson, one of the things that Coach Shataki told us was the fact that the kid in his downtime would come watch film with the coaching staff. Yeah, not, fi- not, not film of what BYU was doing, not mm. film of their upcoming opponent, but film of the great quarterbacks that are out there, film on Aaron Rodgers and film on Pat Mahomes, the guys of that ilk. Like The fact that the kid is, is consumed with the sport see, and trying to be the best player that he can be, see, see yeah. to me that speaks volumes. But, That's exactly what you want. I go back yeah. to the story that Bill Parcells told about Phil Simms and said, Phil, I want you to lock yourself in the room. I don't care if you're watching the tape or not. Just make sure that your teammates see you in there and think that you're watching the tape because that helps in terms of your credibility and them believing that you have the kind of work that that's going to lead to them having success. See, to me, those are the types of things that are important. And it sounds like the kid has that kind that kind of moxie, that kind of presence. So if he has that, if he has that, then that gives him a chance in the NFL to be a leader. See, that doesn't impress me. Like, for me, that's self-serving, right? You're trying to get everything better to make yourself better to, to, to elevate your stock. Now, if you would have said, hey, every Monday he had the entire offense in there and we were watching film and we were turkey, you know, he was getting everybody on the same page. That's more impressive to me. Him going in there, being able to coaches is so that they can tell that story, but also so he can help himself become the best player, not become the best team. You know, so that's, that's to me, that's a little bit self-serving. I always like when people include people in that process, the people that they have to push and then the people on your team that you have to pull. You know, when, when I was trying to be a leader for the Jets and with the Ravens, you know, it was Monday night at Bart's. And it was about getting everybody together because you're only as weak as your, your strongest link. You're only as strong as your weakest link, right? And it's about being able to pull and elevate people up. That's what Tannenbaum's talking about when he's always saying, is he a force multiplier? Force multiplier means about getting everybody else on the other page and elevating the people around you. To do that, you got to put them on the same page. So the fact that he's over there with his coaches means that it's about him to me. That's how I interpret that. And it's not about the team and trying to get everybody else there. How many other people can you pull to the NFL with you? How many other people can you pull to a bowl game? with you not just going in there make sure that you make sure that i'm good yeah i mean the gym rat idea though at least that image is something that is more appealing than somebody like he said you know they, they had a ps5 it stayed in the box the whole time like he wasn't interested in playing or doing any of that stuff he was just focused on the craft mm-hmm. and i would think that that's something you would it's far more appealing than somebody who like johnny manzel who just wanted to be seen, wanted to be out, yep. you know, out taking photos, out Maybe doing things. He was more concerned with the celebrity, celebrity that came along with quarterback now, as opposed to being the now best the player. Fans with stuff written on them, you know that that stuff gets a little. Yeah, that stuff. I, I worry Jay about Cutler. that. In I New said York. it could be some headband Jay with that stuff what, written is, on. Is, is, is that, that what we're draws doing? attention. You know that. Chris. Is that what we're doing? A headband. I'm trying, for to, be, guys, I'm trying for to find reasons. Guys that wear helmets. Why are you trying to find reasons? I can't help it. You don't trust. You don't trust the organization. This is it coming out. That's what it is. Because you don't trust I the confirm. organization, I confirm. you find ways to be able to knock this kid down a peg. Yeah. You don't want to believe the in head, the talent. The I can't believe is, it. The headband is Jim McMahon. That's because BYU Jim McMahon, he's trying to Br- bring attention to Yeah, bring attention to it. Yeah, bring attention to it. I don't know. Well, Jim McMahon won a championship with his team. With, sure, a great, uh, with, a, with a great defense. I'm sure, I'm, but I'm sure Jets fans will take it. 
Yes, we would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, we would. Been, been a while. It's it, been a while. It has been a while yeah. for all teams in New York. Now, tune into a, a National League East rivalry Sunday night. The Braves host Bryce Harper and the Phillies. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. We, we, we've, we've got to discuss what happened yesterday in the Mets' home opener. Now, again, a beautiful day, a beautiful spring day at City Field. New ownership and Steve Cohen and a lot of optimism around this Mets team. But they finally got started after the weekend when they couldn't play because of Washington's COVID situation. But the way this game ended, first of all, there was some uh, a lot of emotion. It was a comeback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff McNeil hits the home run on his birthday. Yeah. Yep, first I, hit. Right, first on his birthday, hits the home run, so that ties it. And then the Mets uh, you know, load the bases, and they get a win 3-2 on a play that, again, we haven't seen in – that's beautiful. In a very long oh, time. We're beautiful. showing it right now. And you see Conforto put the elbow out and the pitch in the strike zone grazes. I mean, grazes an elbow pad. But yo, so you have the courage of the elbow pad, first of all. Now, it's a, it, was a, it was a one-two pitch. That's a strike right right there. Still, home, um, home plate umpire Ron Culpa was about to ring him up with the strikeout. But then he changed the call, and he said that the pitch hit Conforto. Then the umpiring crew got together to discuss it, three blind mice, and <laughs> Culpa's decision stood. Now, after the game, which I found the most interesting, which just shows you the human element of officiating, as baseball is the one sport where everybody feels like you need to go like, like what tennis has in Cyclops. Like, just do that. Mm-hmm. So there's no more, of, no more gray area. There's no okay. more my strike zone versus your strike zone. There's that definitive strike zone. There's all the definitive rules. But there's still human element when it comes to sports. After the game, Culpa spoke, spoke to a pool reporter, which is usually what happens with bad calls in, in, uh, in every sport. And Culpa said that the call was wrong. He said he, that guy was hit by the pitch in the strike zone. I should have called him out, which is the rule. Mm-hmm. The rule is hit by a pitch in the strike zone – it's a strike. So what you're saying is the umpire gave a mea culpa after the game for his mistake. And the Marlins were like, game. great, we still are holding this L. Yeah, uh, here's the thing, Alan, and, and, and it's a terrible call by the umpires, but my biggest issue is that Major League Baseball doesn't have that as a reviewable play. Like the umpires can go back and look at the video and they can determine whether or not Chris, the batter was The game was is hit. slow enough. No, How exactly. many replays are we going to no, have No, 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 now? we got we, – we, we're talking about a call that decided the outcome of so the we're game. Only reviewing but it, but it no, no. What, I, what I'm saying is this. If you have the opportunity to review whether or not the pitch hit the batter, which they did, then you should also have the opportunity to review whether or not that pitch was actually a strike. Because if it's a strike and it hits the batter, then you're rigging them up. Michael Conforto is out of there. It's yeah. a wrap. That yeah. at-bat is over. Right. But the fact that you can't do that is absolutely ridiculous. And then to add another layer on top of it, the umpire coming out and saying, yeah, you know what? It was the wrong call, but it, was, but it was too late to change it because you had already told the batter to take the base. Like, to me, that's the part that's confusing. Like, you have but, replay. But, but you have perfect. replay in place to make sure that you can avoid situations like this happening. I don't understand what Major League Baseball but, is doing. The game is four hours long. If you take an additional two minutes to make sure that you, you get the replay right, if you do that to get the replay right, then so be it, because that yeah. determined 
the outcome yeah. of the, the divisional game, and those games are important. Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a slippery slope because if this happens early in the game, are you going to have the same you know energy towards it? That's the and problem. Being able to look at it, so like yeah, this is a We're one off. Yeah, but this now. is a one off. Is this the first time that this has ever happened? Right, right. So like now you didn't prepare. So maybe this is something the rules committee can talk about after the season, but you have to go with what the rules you have. We've, we've been there, Chris. We've all catch, not a catch. We've, we've, we've been there. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that they can't go with the rules the way they're written. They obviously but did the, that. What I'm saying is it's absolutely ridiculous that this is not a part of replay. How often is something like this going to happen? It's not going to happen that often. So when it does, you would like to have the ability right. empower your umpires to be able to fix the call that they messed up on the field. Yeah, but you think you, you when you when you're making rules, you don't think about the one thing that may only happen once in the history of baseball, right? So it's something that maybe they can change later. But you have to go with the rules that are in hand right now. Like I said, we've been there, right? We the the the, the fail the fail Mary, right? The the one you know the, that fail Mary that really wasn't a catch, but he trapped it, but they couldn't figure it out. You know, I, listen, I mean. We've oh, all been Brian, there. Does Bryant like, like right. so many of those Calvin Johnson? Yeah. There's so many of those plays too. Yeah. But like, I guess this is less about the, the abundance of review, and to me, more about how it's amazing the two different perspectives that always happen. I, I think the human element is important with the. It is. He heard a sound, I, right? He he he's not. Looking no, he at didn't him. hear a sound. He no. didn't hear a sound. He reacted to Michael Conforto saying he got hit by a pitch because he was ringing him up. You can see he's going to say strikeout. Conforto it turns around that. to look at him, and then the umpire points and says, "Take first base." You, you tell me that. You tell me that to make a sound. Listen, that's what's happening. Listen. He was doing a Roger Dorn. You know, Rojas was like, hey, man, this guy pitches you inside, right? He was like, yeah, this guy, go in there and lean in a one. Well, that's the only way Conforto's going to get on base, especially yeah. with runners on the bags. Yeah, that's okay. the only they're, way it's they're, happening. They're, they're he was 0 right for now. 4 the day before. Ooh, right, here, look, here. this Yankee hang, fan hang is on, hot. Hang on. Here, here's, actually, here's what it sounded like here. <laughs> now the one-two pitch. Breaking ball in there. Strike three call. It hit him. And they're saying it nicked him on the arm. The game is over. It was called a strike initially, but then it was ruled that the ball hit Conforto. Michael gets to first base. Ball don't lie. The great that Howie Rose on WCBS. That, that hitting his Wayne elbow. I wonder if that hitting his elbow didn't make a sound. The umpire That's, is about to go all Enrico Palazzo <laughs> from the naked gun, and then Conforto turns around <laughs> and Brett says, Gar- take first base. If, if that's Brett Come Gar- on, man. It's is, ridiculous. Is, is that Gardy? I no, wonder no, if you're, no, if you're I'm not. Listen, thing, I'm but. not a Yankees fan that's bitter. If you're a Mets fan, if you're a player, if you're a coach, you celebrate that win. It's hard to get wins in professional sports. So I'm not hating on that. What I'm saying is Major League Baseball needs to take a long, hard look at their replay policy, all of those rules, because it's absolutely ridiculous that Listen. the up can look at the video to determine whether or not the pitch hit the batter, but you can't look at it to determine whether or not the pitch was in the zone. I That's wish, stupid. I wish they, they would have got it right, because you know who was up next? The best player in, in New York. Oh, you're gonna up, do, you he, know what, though? He was up next. Pete Alonso. Now, now uh, tune into an American League East battle tomorrow. The Rays host the Yankees. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and that's where we'll, we'll turn this because you bring up Pete Alonso, who's made it pretty clear that why he feels like you, – you told him we had him on <laughs> last week, and, and, and you said to him, you think he's better than Aaron Judge. And Absolutely. instead of him saying – like keeping himself out of the conversation, Pete Alonso then just said, well, you know, I pride myself on being there for my team. 
game in and game I'm out. I'm built to last. I'm built to last. Shots fired. And that's all like, yeah, that, that little bit of shade that's Fast basically like. 70. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, you want to bring that up. I don't have my drops here today. But, <laughs> but it does bring up Aaron Judge now that I, I want to ask you guys about as well. Because I, I am I overreacting now? I'm overreacting as a Jets fan. Am I overreacting as a Yankees fan? That five, after five games, five General. games, he sits out a game for what they call General Soreness. Reporting for duty, sir. General soreness. Bart, what did you say yesterday? You're an athlete. You're always sore. Yeah, we're always sore. Like, like that's why. That's why a lot of times other sports don't give baseball players, you know, a lot of credit for being athletes. I mean, hell, they go to training camp. They got tea time. You know what I mean? Like, how hard <laughs> can it be? It's like you know, you know, some players are in shape, but it's not. It's not a determining factor of your greatness, right? You know, so like, it's like, come on, man. Like, we've been waiting for this guy to be the face of baseball for the last five seasons, and, and when he's playing, he's one of the best players, if not the best player in all of baseball. But your best ability is availability. He's not been available. He's 28 years old. He's going to be coming up on a contract, and I don't know how you buy into this guy or how you invest in this guy long-term, giving him a 10-year contract, carrying you to 38, if he can't stay healthy one season. He had that great rookie year, but outside of that, we've never seen anybody that big in the outfield, and he's special, but he can't, he's like Mr. Glass. I think I'm watching, I think I'm watching Samuel Jackson in Unbreakable. Like, this <laughs> wow, dude, like, he sneezes wow. hard, and he hurts. It's a calf. And listen, we know it always starts general soreness. Then it'll be out. Then it'll, then it'll say, oh, well, him and, uh, and Aaron Hicks, he'll have all the oblique soreness. Like, he hasn't been available, and, you know, they have to have some, 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 some internal thoughts about – you know, see the future of their organization. Well, they're going to have to, he's got to get paid eventually, right? He's going to yep. be 29 years old in another week, I think. And, and so for the Yankees, it's a huge decision to make. Yeah, that, ticking, clock, that clock is ticking, ticking right now with I mean, the Yankees. You, you give me general sort. Like, again, you don't want that nickname. I mean, it's all right. You're going to be 6'8. You said general sort. You're 6'8. General soreness, stars and bars. This is what we got for you right now. I mean, that's what he's becoming. Like, it's uh. becoming a bit of a joke with him. Put him on the operation board General and let's figure out what hurts today. I'm sorry. You love him as a player. You love him as a player. But now you wonder, like, is he going to now maybe play a little more conservative in the outfield? Because he doesn't want to get hurt, is that going to now allow a double to drop in? Because he doesn't stretch but out. But now you're taking it. Now you're taking away. Is he going to the... take the extra base? What could have been a double, or is he not going to do that because he doesn't want to get hurt? That changes the way you play. If you can't play all out, you're not playing at your full potential. There's so much now to worry about with a guy that all you ask him to do is stay healthy, and he can't. That that is the part that to me as a Yankees fan is the most frustrating thing. And if you think I'm frustrated, how do you think the Yankees feel? Because they need him to be the star. Baseball would love him to be a star. He's a great personality. He's a leader. He's everything you want. He's the closest thing to Jeter that they have had since Jeter retired. The closest thing. He's perfect in every way except one thing. As Bart said, made a glass. Yeah, the best ability is availability. Ain't that what Herm Edwards said? That's right. And, and after that rookie season, Bart, that you brought up, 2017, yeah. Aaron Judge has been going the wrong way in terms of games played. So, if you look and at... don't tw- tell me they're freak in 20, injuries. In 2018, he missed 50 games. 2019, he misses a third of the season. And last year, he played in half the games. Yeah. This year, he's five games in. And one of those games, he DHs in. And yeah. the team has to give him a preemptive day off uh, before a team day off before they start their set down in Tampa today. So, like, I just – I look at this and say, if Aaron Judge doesn't play down down there in Tampa against the Rays this weekend, mm-hmm. that's Watch going tonight. to ring alarms with all the Yankees fans mm-hmm. and everybody's going to start asking the question, is the juice worth the squeeze with Aaron mm-hmm. Judge? Because as Allen pointed out, like, it's getting around time for the Yankees to have to make a decision on whether or not to pay Aaron Judge. And based on 
his ability to stay healthy or lack thereof, I don't know how they could feel confident in locking into this guy long term. And you've already got, you know, G. Stanton on your salary, which you're already paying him a and ton. He, and he's got and a no-trade clause, one, so he's not going anywhere. Right, and he's, a, he's also a sneeze away from, you know, pulling an six, oblique as six, well. 6'8", so. eight, eight in general soreness is equivalent to me saying, I can't play today because I, my cuticles hurt. <laughs> Let's leave it there. He's 6'8". <laughs> Bart Scott, Chris Caddy, Allen, KJZ, soreness? Six eight guys have feelings too, Bart. So, Oh, my cuticles. Six, eight hurt. guys have feelings. So let's talk some golf. Brooks Kepka's playing with like a busted knee, and he's got no, no general right, soreness there. Right. But anyway, there were some major surprises in round one of the Masters. What should we expect today in round two? That's coming up after this from Straight Talk Wireless. It's time for some straight talk. Sure, saving money feels good, but cutting your wireless bill in half, that feels really good. Like walk-off home run in the ninth inning, good. All right, maybe not that good, but pretty darn good. With Straight Talk you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract, all on America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. This is the beginning of spring. This is it. When the Masters goes on, it's a joyful thing I'm thrilled. The grass is greener than any other place on the earth. The sand is whiter. Everyone just kick back, enjoy the tournament. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
just love the piano. Just love it. It's like the part of the show where we all just chill a little bit, relax. Michael Collins, like ESPN golf spot. analyst, steps in and joins us. Bart's, this is not air guitar, it's air piano apparently going on right now in the studio. Hey, man, that's how, that's how the spy is. This is how I get in spot. Alan Hahn, Bart Scott, Chris Welcome Canty, back, and Michael Take Collins joining us on the Goodyear in. Hotline. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm stressed out about what might be a pulled hammy. We're not going to have to worry about what Yankees are going to play and what Yankees are not going to play. We're just going to breathe and enjoy the lush greenness and the azaleas that are blooming with the holly bush behind me. If I fall in, I will be scratched up to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew the tough guys were in golf? You know what else, too? You'll fall in there, and then you'll find that squirrel that you've been looking for all these years. That that squirrel story, by the way, Michael, is one of the great stories. Squirrel bombs, they're all over the Internet, right? Yeah, yeah, you should know this, by the way. squirrels everywhere. People are now tweeting at us screenshots of the Masters and then, like, Photoshopping in little squirrels, little cartoon squirrels, and saying, "Ah, they're all over the course. Look at them. It's just." I'm like, I'm like, man, that's Sandy's from SpongeBob. Man, stop that. You can't, you can't cut and paste and her. I right was there. trying to give y'all that story on the down low, but now I know that if I don't get a credential to come back next year, my email from the Masters is probably going to have a picture of a little squirrel smiling at me. Be like, sorry, you're not coming this year. I I heard, so one of the words, one of the words I heard about the the course conditions yesterday was that the greens were crispy. Like, I, I just, hearing that term. So how much of that, is why Justin Rose shot seven under and why why everybody else struggled. Like, what, what's the balance there? He seemed to play so well, and everybody else seemed to really struggle. Hey, you have to understand, Justin Rose won a U.S. Open at Marion on crispy greens. And guys have been talking about it all week. This is the firmest and fastest that they have seen this golf course in a very long time. And for some of the guys, the firmest and fastest that they've ever seen it. So the fact that Justin Rose went out there and shot 65, 7 under par, I mean, and remember, when Justin got to the eighth hole, he was two over, and he makes an eagle on eight, and something clicks. Mm -hmm. And he just looks like, well, you know what? I'm just going to start having fun. Everybody's out here just blowing up a little bit, and boom, he goes on this birdie run, and then is playing spectacular golf. But this golf course... I mean, Sergio said he felt like maybe he got punched in the face by Vander Holyfield. Yeah. And Rory was like, he got hit by Mike Tyson, which is ironic because he actually hit his own dad with a golf shot up there <laughs> on number seven. Michael, maybe I... Maybe you shouldn't talk about getting hit after you hit your dad with a golf ball, bro. I didn't even get <laughs> Michael, you were talking about the hot streak that Justin Rose went on. I think it was nine under through ten holes. What was the most impressive shot during that streak for you? The most impressive shot probably was the shot he hit on 17. Mm. That second shot in on 17 where you got a, just barely carried over that bunker. And there were so many guys that were not confident enough to hit a great shot there. And seeing Justin Rose that confident to know he could hit a full pitching weight straight up in the air, 140 yards, and just carry that bunker, it almost went in the hole. And so, I mean, that was just one of those really smart, impressive shots. He did the same thing on 16, 
when he hit his tee shot on the mm-hmm. par 316, he knew exactly where to land it. Throw it into that ridge, and it will feed down towards the hole. And you want to be a little short. A lot of guys who fire at that flag, if you end up long, it looks like you got an easy putt, but it's lightning downhill where if you're short of the hole and a little bit long, it'll bring the ball back to exactly where you want to putt from. So him being confident enough to, to hit those two shots in those moments, just, it showed a lot of gumption from for Justin Rose out there, especially when the course played harder in the afternoon when Justin was out there than it did in the morning. Now, with a four-shot lead, do you think that he has enough to finish and close the deal? It's Thursday. <laughs> the look no. he made. The look he gave no. me. That'd be like the first mile. That look. It's that's the, the first, first quarter, mile of the Tour de France. It's the first mile of the Tour de France, and some dude takes off, and you'd be like, oh, he's gone. And the rest of the like, nah, no, he ain't. We got three days to catch that fool. Here we come. It's like Dory. Just keep, except pedaling. Let's keep pedaling. And that's the thing. These guys at this level, too, are good enough that once they now kind of understand the conditions of the game time golf course here at the Masters, they figure it out real fast, and then they go, okay, now I know where I can attack, when I can't attack, where I can put the pedal to the metal, and when I can lay back. And Justin only has to make a couple of mistakes, and by end of Saturday, that lead might be gone. Mm-hmm. Michael, I want to ask you about Bryson DeChambeau. He was one of the favorites coming into this week. Yesterday, he was spraying the ball all over the course. Felt like he had some control issues with his distance and his clubs. Uh, what did you see from his round? Why did he struggle yesterday? Did I not? Yes. When we talked about it, I said, mm-hmm. Karma going to kick you in the teeth again. Yep. Karma, kick him in the teeth again. Mm-hmm. Do not talk about secret weapons, <laughs> yep. what you're going to do to a golf course before you get out there and do it. Just don't do that. And that's the other thing about how this golf course played for him. Because he hits it so far, being able to control distance with his irons, not just off the tee, but his second shots like we talked about yesterday. And that was one of the problems that he has. Now, all of his clubs are the same height. So he really has to work on distance control because all of his, from pitching wedge the whole way to four iron, they're all the same height. as, And he's the only guy on tour that's like that. So when he has a pitching wedge in his hand, he can hit it 160 yards, but he might need to only hit it 110. And so in situations like that, if you're not dialed in exactly and you land it two yards too far on this golf course, which is a lot of times what he was doing, that ball is flying over the back of the greens, and now you're in a very bad way. And that's what happened to Bryson DeChambeau. His driver just wasn't on. If you're not finding the fairways, you pretty much don't have a second shot at these greens as firm as they were. And if you do find the fairway and you're not precise with your irons, well, then your third shot trying to chip back onto the green is not going to be easy. So Bryson just didn't have a great day. And when he finished, he came right out here to the driving range and was hitting five drivers a minute. He looked like just an angry dude out <laughs> throw me ball, wah, throw me ball, wah, throw me ball, wah. Which I, I don't know how much work he actually got done, but if he wasn't tired after his round, he was definitely tired after his range session. Michael, it's been a joy talking to you these last couple of days and just hearing the birds chirping around you. It's been very peaceful, very relaxing, and also entertaining. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Namaste. Always, man. I got. I think I might have pulled a little something. The bird is. I got a. Me and Aaron Judge gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Collins, ESPN golf analyst, on the Goodyear Hotline. I was thinking that same thing too. When he mentioned that DeChambeau was at 
the driving range and you just was just hammering away at. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's like style. I am when I go to the driving range. Angry. I'm pulling out the driver and I'm it. hitting. I'm hitting a hundred drives. Oh, absolutely. I don't even yeah, work yeah. on the irons or nothing no, like that. No just, need to. Just here just, for show. Just, just the driver. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, just for show. Yeah. yeah, but but still, just I was thinking exactly what he just said there. If Aaron mm. Judge did that, let's just say it'd be. Why, why do you want to bring? Why do you want to go back to that? You just want to be bitter. Can't let it go. Draymond Green believes his tweets about women's sports and the pay gap with male athletes have been, he says, extremely misconstrued. I'll tell you why I have an issue with it, and I think the other guys do as well. On all the things that he said, we'll discuss that next. KJZ, ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Friday in New York City. KJZ presented by Progressive Insurance. Alan Hahn, Bart Scott, Chris Kenny in for the guys. Keyshawn and Zubin will be back on Monday. Jay Will and his wife Nikki celebrating the birth of their second child. Congrats, Jay Will. Congrats, brother. Congrats, man. We're happy for you, bro. Happy for you. Right. The draft is in, so now they have two in the family. Two? Yeah. All right. They can still run man-to-man defense. That's right. One more, they got to switch the zone. That's right. See, that's the, <laughs> see, that's the question now. That's the question. See, it's, it's basically like, you know, for me, I have four kids. Uh-huh. And it's sort of like once you have two, it's just like, what's the difference after that? Like three, four, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter after no, that? No, no, it's, 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 it's just, just more. More the merrier. So you might as well just shoot up the club, huh? That, why not? No, man. <laughs> Be fruitful that's and a, That sounds real dangerous and yeah. real expensive. Yeah, yeah well, expensive, yeah. yeah. I did tell the tooth fairy story that yeah. what I didn't realize yeah. is that the girls and my wife were in the car at the time yeah. that I told the story. So I came home and my 13-year-old, Yeah, I get, she gave me the gas face. Yeah, I just feel like when you're adding, it's one thing. When you start multiplying, that's another. <laughs> 
That I'm is, just saying. Yeah, no, that, that is true. KJZ presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. Help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Draymond Green uh, is outspoken, as we know, and, and that's for athletes. That's not always a bad thing. It's good to hear from athletes and, and let them uh, speak their minds about various things. But there's sometimes where an athlete might say too much or maybe say something that he would regret. But Draymond Green, it, it not necessarily regret. It seems like more or less doubling down, which is the most bizarre thing. So he put out some tweets um, that he talked about, I guess it was, uh, let, me, let me just make sure I'm saying it the right way. Mm-hmm. He talked about the inequality of women's sports and men's sports when it comes to pay. And in regards to, especially what the women's soccer team has been in this, this battle right now with U.S. soccer about, first of all, they're more, way more successful than the men's team. Way more successful. yet they are yeah. way underfunded uh, in comparison. He he really like he went on and on. Uh, his his tweets are really the bigger concern, and, and that's actually what I'm what I'm trying to find to read them. I just can't right now. His response though to so Megan Rapino ripped him for him saying that for women like you just to keep talking about it is not really going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And she said that it was unfortunate the things that he said. And Draymond, it almost felt like he doubled down. In a way, and then tried to. Sometimes, again, like I said, sometimes you just admit I was wrong. Yeah. But here's where Draymond, in a press conference now after the game, when after hearing that Rapino had now ripped him for him saying that you know the women are just they're talking about it, they're not doing anything about it. You got to do something about it. So this is Draymond's reaction. Now these were tweets, remember. Mm-hmm. So it's different when you say something and maybe you didn't mean what you said. He tweeted this, so you hit send, and then Rapino ripped him, and here's Draymond responding to the criticism you know i think it's unfortunate that she thinks it's unfortunate that that's my view because at the end of the day what megan wants and what i want is the same thing if we can both do something to move the needle to get to the end goal great i have no complaints with whatever it is that she wants to do or any woman athlete wants to do or anyone that's trying to help drive their cause and what they want to be done it doesn't really matter to me how you get there what does matter to me is that we get there i love the fact that he said i'm all for that which is i'm glad you gave us the endorsement now now again to be clear and that was really clunky how i did it before but i was searching for the tweet so it was march 27th that that draymond went to twitter and it basically it seemed to blame women for making complaints rather than taking action over the the pay disparity uh and investment in women's sports and you hear him say there, right, like, like, I found that to be the worst part of it. A, like, oh, yeah, I'm all for it. But then him also saying a lot of what I said in the tweet, you can't really make out full uh, position from my tweets. He goes, which was intentional because I don't want you to make out my full position from a tweet. What I want to do is raise awareness with my tweets. What I want to have these conversations <laughs> Bart, we do BS translated wow. with you. Yeah, I, mean, I purposely made it confusing so we'd talk about it. That—that's your excuse. That's doubling down to me. Well, he's not doubling. He's trying to—he's trying to justify it. He's trying to. There is no like, justification. It, yeah, it's, it's like tough it sometimes in texts and tweets to kind of articulate exactly then what you're don't. trying to say. Because right, and it was a bad attempt and a failed attempt. 
uh, I'm glad that he does have the view that, you know, as a, as a father of a daughter, you know, I want equal pay for equal work. We want equality within the workplace. And, you know, that's why, you know, I, you know, you saw Venus and Serena, what they really work for, you know, them being the big draw in tennis, being able to get, you know, the, the equal pay that they deserve because they're the ones that were putting eyes glued to television. Yeah. You talk about the women's soccer, you know, team and how much more successful than they are than the men's team. It's not even close. And, and, and we continue having this conversation and we continue to see the examples of the disparity in how women's sports are viewed and funded in comparison to the men, no matter what the success level is. All we have to do is look at the NCAA tournament in basketball and see what, what, what the women have to go through. And so I think collectively always have to con- get out there and, and fight this fight until we get the quality in which that we search. And, you know, I don't know if this means that the women team should maybe sit out or what the course of action is, but we all have to be, you know, in it together. The delivery was all bad from Draymond. Mm-hmm. It was bad in late March when he initially put out the tweet, and yeah. it was bad last night when he doubled down on it and said, well, I wanted it to be confusing. With the subject matter this important, when you look at the gravity of what we're facing This is not the time to be convoluted. This is the time to be clear and direct. And so with Draymond Green's message, his call to action, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I just think what he did in terms of undermining the conversation that we're all trying to have about equality, that's that's where he was out of bounds. Like Draymond Green can't come out and say, you're doing yourselves a disservice by not talking about it. No, we absolutely need to talk about it. We need to continue to talk about it until something about it changes. Now, as far as what he suggested with leveraging the allyship that these corporations want to portray when it comes to the women's rights movement, right. Draymond Green is absolutely right. you got to find a way to be able to monetize that. you got to tap into that. Right. And we haven't done that you know, to the full extent that is possible, and I think that's a part of what's holding it up. But there's no reason for the women not to be able to talk about the issues that they're facing when it comes to the pay gap. No doubt about that. KJZ, ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.